earth when you get to Eden, but it, when you head west from there towards Bombala, you're really in the sticks. And uh, um, my, I had a great aunt who was managing a property with her two grandsons there. Uh, they were a bit, the sons, grandsons were a bit younger than me, but uh, they, um, uh, she was the, um, I suppose, the central person in the community because she had the telephone exchange. And the telephone in those days uh, relied on a piece of wire that went uh, uh, from pole to pole. And uh, so she connected the community to, to Eden and then that con connected to uh, the uh, uh, rest of New South Wales, basically. And uh, so uh, these days, you probably, most of us would remember the little telephone that was about this big. She had a great box, about so wide, with a little uh, thing on the side of it. And that was the way she com communicated uh, not only to the locals, but to the rest of the world. And uh, the uh, thing about it was that you had to know how many rings were yours. So if it was three rings, it was somebody else, and if it was two rings, it was somebody else. It was a bit hard for a 13-year-old to grasp, but uh, uh, I can remember um, she, she, she was the uh, matriarch of the district, I suppose. So, uh, yeah, we, we, as we've been studying this week, and uh, our understanding uh, uh, was that uh, locals would know and sure should answer those number of rings. And uh, we don't have to ring God. He's, he's uh, on the, uh, um, the phone all the time. There was a, uh, um, a, a song, I suppose you'd call it, that we used to sing in um, yeah, Telephone to Jesus. Uh, oh, what a joy divine. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, uh, so there, there is that connection that we have this these days with Jesus. We don't need to ring; we can be there and uh, uh, pray to Him. And so uh, I won't leave it there. Thanks very much, Bill. Yes, yeah, so the. The uh, line that uh, Bill was talking about was uh, the party line and there'd probably be five or six people hooked onto that line and depending on the number of rings. And you had uh, a foam whereby you had a, a crank in the middle of it and you rang that and that put you into the exchange and they said, number please. So then they put in the plugs and away you went. Um, out in Alice Springs for a while we had... Um, a few, we had about half a dozen 
um, uh, little lodges sort of scattered around the country where the people would go and stay overnight. So we had to let them know by radio how many people were coming. And they would contact us and let us know what they want sent it out for supplies. But um, the reception wasn't always good and quite often there was different things sent out than was organised. But that was just some of the ways of connections. Um, then we had the, the, the black Bakelite phone with the rotating rotating dial on it that you did your numbers and then eventually it became push buttons, didn't it? And uh, a fairly popular one was a, was a war phone and I, th I think that was probably the peak of it. I think after that we sort of went downhill because at least with a war phone you had to stand there and talk at the phone except for my son Peter in Gunnedah who put about a 20 metre cord on his phone. So he started the original mobile phone. He'd wander throughout his house and you could never get to understand what he was talking about. <laughs> and I find that with their uh, mobile phones these days, you know, they stick it under the shoulder and run off and yeah. So we need to get away from our distractions when we call, as Bill said, we can call any time and the Lord answers us there. And particularly at this time as we're doing the prayer and fasting, let's really brush up on our prayer, our prayer life. It's so simple. We don't even have to get it out and push the numbers. Just call on God anytime. He's there. He wants to know where his children, his beloved children, so beloved that he sent Jesus Christ, that we would have the freedom. So I'm just going to get Robin to, to play that song that Jim mentioned for us, our Bill mentioned. Step unto glory, oh what joy divine, I can feel the current moving on the line, made by God the Father for his Just for you and me There will be no waiting On this royal line Telephone to glory Always answers just in time Telephone to glory Oh, what joy divine I can feel the current Moving on the line Made by God the Father For his very own You may talk to Jesus on this royal telephone. 
Jimmy Little there, and uh, there's also that uh, old song, well, I guess it's fairly old, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear, What a Privilege to Carry, Everything to God in Prayer. Let's just do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you as we come before you this morning. Lord, we thank you for music that we can praise and glorify your holy name. Lord, we thank you for the energy you give us that we can raise our arms that we can lift you higher and lift you higher above all things so father as your children help us to use that privilege that you have blessed us with more often lord to call on you lord not in our times of trouble but in our times of praise and worship as well father we thank you for our river life family and we just ask that you be with each and every one Lord, for those that are not well today, we just pray for your healing hand upon them. Just give them that extra strength and encouragement to know that they are your children. Father, we thank you for those in looking after the, the, the children, the pebbles and the, uh, the stones groups, and uh, thank you for their dedication to you and your service. And Father, we, we thank you for Pastor Tony, Daniel, and for the service that... He blesses us with through your word. And your word does not return to you empty. So we give you the thanks and glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Good morning, everybody. Great to have you here. Speaking of uh, dialing up numbers, we've had a birthday. JD is 54. Congratulations, JD. Was that right? Did I get that right? Is that right? It's, is that right? Is it 54? It is. Yeah, but you look it, so I just thought you figured that that was, I mean, in a nice way, you know. So congratulations for your birthday, brother. Love you heaps. Hey, um, again, great to have you this, this morning. And after this pray, we're going to get into straight away into a few things. As you may be aware, should be aware, um, uh, our RI teachers are um, about to launch into um, sharing Jesus in this school and other schools, and that is a blessing uh, in sowing seeds and nurturing them. And so if I could ask them all to come on up, that would be fantastic. Marilla, that would be great to have you as well. And I'm just trying to look for Anita. Is Anita here or she stepped out? She stepped out. She's at Pebbles. She's drumming one moment and then praying and then uh, heading out there. Um, could I just ask, since... Um, uh, well, Nita and Dave's not, not here today. Can I just ask for a couple of people, JD, guys, anybody who would like to pray for these guys as we commit them to the service in um, our schools? Now, I know it's scary. How about if I come here? That way you have something to hide behind. And if you just come this way, that would be great. Uh, fantastic. Because we want to commit you guys. Where's Brendan? What's going on, Brendan? You're doing something, are you? You're always doing something, aren't you, mate? Always. Um, just very, very quickly, I haven't got another mic. How many years have you been doing teaching scripture? I started teaching in 2004, which is way after the young lady. Right. But it was 
So 20 years you've been doing it. Okay. We won't hold that against you, Brendan. I don't know what you were doing. You're, you're probably in, um, dare I say, Africa, being a missionary or something or other, but there you go. Manala, how, how many years? 35 years teaching the Word. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't quite there with my health and my kids were saying, no, no, mum. And I'm saying, okay, anyway, to cut a long story short, I went through, you know, the rough waters and everything mm. else, but God has been restoring me for such a time as this. And speaking about communication this morning, there's nothing better than communicating to the children, training them up while they're young mm. and teaching them in the ways of the Lord mm. because the Lord showed me when I was praying for the, for the situation, is it you, Lord? Okay, praise the Lord. Yep, yep. Good on you, praise God. Amen. Yeah. I absolutely will sooner or later. Candice, how long have you guys? Your fourth year. Awesome. Thank you. Darlene. 36 years. You've had a couple of breaks as well. Can I just say, and many of you will have, have heard me say this before, and I'm looking for Bill. Is he up? He's right here, aren't you, Bill? Uh, Bill's heard this, that it was Gideon's who came into a high school um, and handed out the little red Gideon Bibles, and I think out of the the entire auditorium filled with uh, the entire high school, probably 95% of them might have been ditched in the bin. Well, I saw a lot going in, but I kept mine, and it was the first seed planted in my life. All right? And so can I just encourage us, this is just such important work. Important work. And as Marinella highlighted, just a, um, a gifting, an opportunity to be able to go into schools and be the example of Jesus and share his word. Right? And uh, it's not just um, uh, church-based kids, is it? That end up in your classes. It's uh, a whole, it can be anybody because mums and dads often like you know, those morals and values that they want to teach. And you guys get some harder theological questions than what I like. <laughs> Ever get, don't you? I've heard it had a couple, and it's like, okay, let me go away and think about that. That's pretty tricky. Huh? Yeah. 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 It's amazing that. How about we um, together just pray for these guys? If I could just ask you guys just to to pray for them, that would would be great. Mm. 
Lord. Lord, we uh, just commit this team to you and thank you for each and every one of them, for Brendan, for Marinella, for Candace, for Gaylene, Lord, and their willingness to take aside, put aside time to go into this school and others and to share your word in teaching it, but to be the example of Jesus. Because that has such a powerful effect upon young people, Lord. And so we pray that through the teaching and through the word being sown and what is spoken and the questions being raised and so on, that you would be glorified, that kids would, you know, just go, wow, I, I need Jesus in my life. Those seeds would be sown, but that the nurturing too, Lord, would come from these people's hearts for kids, their love for them, Lord, and their desire to be the example of you, Jesus, in that classroom. And so we pray, Lord God, for your presence, but for your power to be felt through the lives, for the demonstration of what these four amazing people will give generously to the classes that they find themselves in. So we give you thanks now in advance for those seeds being planted, for the watering, the nurturing, and for what will unfold throughout this year and beyond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Um, really important. Very important. 
And I know everybody gives up the time and, and, and works hard. We really appreciate that. Brendan ends up, um, he's working for the government, but uh, which is a good thing. I shouldn't say that with that tone, should I? You know, he's working for the government. But um, work some of his hours up so that he can take flexi time to come into school to, to teach, you know. He's remarkable, remarkable guy. Let's pray as we get into the word. Father God, we uh, continue to worship and honour you in this place this morning. And we come to your word, Lord, with a desire just to learn from you. And so we would pray for that, Lord, this morning. Open up our hearts and minds to what you might have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And my notes fly away. Cool. Okay, last week we were getting into uh, the beginning of fasting and we began with Genesis and we looked at the struggle that Adam and Eve had with and it looked pleasing to the eye and they ate of the tree. And then we, we moved into and contrasted that with Jesus in the wilderness and in fasting and prayer and solitude was able to be strengthened through those three disciplines that when temptation came upon him to eat, he was able to refuse that. He was strengthened by it. And so he was able to move away from the pleasure principle of, gee whiz, um, the inside of me, my body, my mind is just saying, eat because I'm starving. Um, and he refused. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of the, of the Lord, paraphrased, obviously. And today I want us to move from that into looking at a little bit more of the journey of fasting in the early church and what it means to us today. And so if you have your Bibles, um, Matthew chapter 6 got a few notes up here, so bear with me. But Matthew chapter 6, I think we've got it. I'm not too sure if we've got it up on the slide. We do. Great. Matthew 6. Just encourage you, if you have Bibles at home, I know they're good for devotions at home, but to just encourage you to, to bring them as well to church. In Matthew 6, 1 to 18, and this is coming from the Sermon on, on the Mount. Jesus started that in Matthew chapter 5. But it's here that he particularly identifies three practices that were happening in Jewish circles, but three practices for us as believers. And he says in Matthew chapter 6, 1 to 18, he says, first of all, and it's titled, do good to please God or doing good to others or giving to the needy. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. 
that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you need, that you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, and so on and so on. Verse 16, the final, the third practice. Moreover, when you fast, not if, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, I don't know about you, but um, if I was to, as a pastor, get up and talk about three spiritual disciplines or three practices you should practice, what do you think I would pick? What do you think pastors would generally pick? Any ideas? Prayer, perhaps? Worship, church, attendance? How could you say tithing? Really? And perhaps read your Bible. But Jesus picks these three. Or certainly Matthew records these three for us. And so we see that fasting was an important thing within, well, an important practice right back in Jewish times and here's Jesus saying, when you practice fasting and it's continued throughout and into the early church and we find that in the early church they were practicing fasting twice a week and it came from um, the Jews who were practicing fasting twice a week, I'm going to pick up on that shortly, but they, it came out of basically what was a Jew, the Jewish Talmud or the Christian version of the Jewish Talmud, the Didache. And we've got it up here, I think, in our next slide. It's going great this morning. In our next slide. And it was a book that was written between 50 to 150 A.D., and it basically focused on understanding or unfolding some of the scriptures. And it was called, um, according to the, the teaching of the Lord, according to the 12 apostles. 
And within it, there were primarily three areas of teaching or unfolding of, of the scriptures, a bit like the Jewish Talmud or the Mishnah. And within it, there was um, a section on Christian ethics, a section on rituals such as baptism and communion, and a section on church organization. It wasn't really discovered until around about 1873, and it was found in the Holy Sepulchre Church at Constantinople. It has a Jewish tone and it's rooted in the Old Testament tradition. And the text is broken down, as I mentioned, into Christian ethics, rituals, such as baptism, communion and church organisation. And within it, there's a passage or a book about fasting. And we find it written in this way. In chapter 8, don't let your fasting coincide with those hypocrites. They picked up on the scriptures that had been written about Jesus saying, this is how the hypocrites do it. Don't let your fasting coincide with those of the hypocrites. They fast on the second and fifth days of the week, which ended up being on the Jewish calendar Monday and Thursday. So you should fast on the fourth day, Wednesday, and preparation day of the week, which is Friday. Fasting on Wednesday and Friday and practicing coming together as a community on the weekend was seen as a being a big, big part of the Christian week. But somehow or other, we've sort of lost it, haven't we? Well, pretty much we have. But it was a regular practice for Christians to fast. It's been overcome, really, it would seem, from the Reformation, where they were saying, well, hang on a minute, let's not just get too regimental about the Christian faith. Let's be careful about this. And so they, a little bit of the baby in the bathwater was thrown out at the same time. But what's ended up happening is what we touched on last week, and I really want to pick up on this week, of the pleasure principle. You know what? And we sung about it. I'm free in Christ. I'm free from sin. Our first song this morning. But the interesting part about that is that we think salvation. But there's more to it than that. It's about a lifestyle. I'm free not to have to choose the pleasure principle of, well, what feels right for me is what it's all about. And we, in many ways, have adopted as believers this Christian way of living and we've blended it with something of the world living, perhaps, or the world lifestyle. Lent, believe it or not, leading into Easter, originally was 40 days of fasting. John Wesley in the 1700s wrote this, and he was a Methodist, and he <laughs> never married, 
grumpy at times, perhaps, but Wesley wrote this, I fear there are now thousands of Methodists, so-called, both in England and Ireland, who, following the same bad example, have entirely left our fasting. Who are so far from fasting twice a week, they don't fast twice a month. You know who you are. The man who never fasts is no more on the way to heaven than the man who never prays. Ladies, you're off the hook. Practicing fasting. Spiritual discipline. Hmm? Might like that term. Following in the ways of Jesus. And when you fast... We're so far from it in our culture, it would seem. The pleasure principle, and I think I've got it up for you, is basically, from a spiritual term, the yoke of slavery. Pleasure is the subjective hedonic quality, which is about basically just the, the pleasure quality, linked to stimuli or objects defined in behavioral terms as incentivizing or rewarding. Chris is going to come up and do a bit of the job than me. No, you <laughs> on this. The concept of reward, pleasure principle, the concept of reward entails various neuropsychological components. First, the hedonic qualities linked to consumption. Right? I like something. Second, the motivational appetizing properties that drive an individual to obtain something. In other words, I want it. I like it, I want it. Finally, the nestic representation or memory, the memory representation and the subsequent associative learning that derive from the achievement of these gratifying experiences. I've learned something now. I like, I want I get, and now I've learned something. And it's everywhere when we think about it. Fasting, as a way of life for a Christian, comes against that mindset. And it says, hold on a minute, Lord. You are king in my life. And I might not be at the point of, I might not fast, but I want to pull up a little bit and I want to choose and think about, first of all, the way and the things that I'm practicing. Rather just than adopting the ways of the world, perhaps. I like, I want, I get. If that was a good experience, I'm going to practice that more. Paul talks about that as in a way of you being free from having to choose that type of that, that, those principles or that lifestyle. You can practice differently now. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think about it. And he says this in Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 
You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. There's a selfish principle there. It's all about me. And so I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify or give in to the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. I don't know over this past week, for those of you who've been practicing a degree of fasting or just as a Christian, that there is a battle that goes on. It's tough. And often, sin will surface. Because that's what it does. It seeks to kill and destroy and pull you back from the culture of following Jesus. The pleasure principle unfolds. It's there. And I'm not saying the pleasure principle is totally wrong. God has given us a lot to enjoy, but often it's the controlling factor in our lives. But the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. There it is. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And then Paul goes on to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and obviously self-control is in there. Throughout a lot of Paul's writings, he speaks a lot to the contra or to the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And so freedom is the ability, the song we spoke of or we sung first up this morning, it's the ability to live in the spirit and to choose what the spirit wants. That's freedom. Lord, I choose you. And to will what the Spirit wants in your life. That's it. To crucify, not to gratify the flesh. To live by the Spirit. But I don't know about you, how you've been going this past week, or these following weeks, but I've experienced Paul's frustration in committing my ways to the Lord. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I do want to do. Who's going to rescue me from this? But more or just as important is the battle itself. To remind ourselves of a morning, what battle is it, Lord, that we're facing together? What adventure am I in? To worship, to honour, to, to pray, talk to God. But then to remind ourselves, what adventure am I in with you, God? What battles am I going to face as I don't allow my flesh-like nature, the pleasure principle, just to unfold constantly, but to fight it, to find the freedom that Jesus 
grants to me in him. Let's pray. Team, if you want to come on up. Father God, we uh, come before you and we recognise and are grateful for our forefathers who encourage the church, encourage the practices of Jesus to fast, to pray, to give to the needy and other practices that you encouraged us to unfold into our lives. And so we would just pray, Lord, we need your strength to do this. I can't bring about holiness or godliness myself. Only you can do that. That's why I need Jesus. That's why we all need Jesus. And so we pray, Lord, for our own strength. We will slowly, perhaps two steps forward, one step back, it doesn't matter, but seek to practice the ways of Jesus. To practice them. Knowing that as we do, Lord, your word encourages us to believe in faith that your power of your Holy Spirit comes in and all of a sudden, one day, as we practice, you come in and do something supernatural, something amazing. And just becomes part of us. Perhaps we could say and rationalise that, well, if I keep practising it, it will become part of the way. Yeah, sure. And that's great. But the power comes when the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of that and does something with it. And so we would pray for that today, God, as we continue as a church to fast, pray, find time for silence, solitude. As we sit, Lord, that we might just learn more of you might see you at work in our lives, might be encouraged, Lord, to know that you're going before us as we continue to seek to follow you in practicing spiritual disciplines, Lord, because we too choose Jesus. We choose the spirit over the flesh-like nature. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.